This is most certainly true. In the greatest act of selfless mercy, God sent His own Son into our world to die for your sins. And we can't stop talking about it. We now present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. This reading will serve also as the basis for today's sermon, the Gospel, according to Luke chapter 18. A certain ruler asked Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus replied, What is impossible with man is possible with God. Peter said to him, We have left all we had to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, No one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. The Gospel of the Lord. I wonder what sparked the question. Was it mere curiosity? Did he hear something in the scriptures that piqued his interest a little bit? Or was it something more serious than that? Was there a certain sin that was weighing down and burdening him and he was wondering if he was possibly good enough? Or was there perhaps some kind of tragedy? disaster or death that caused him to pause and and ponder life a bit. We don't know the why, but we do know the who and the what. It was a rich young ruler of a local synagogue that came to Jesus one day with a question burning on his mind, a very important question for all of us. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I suppose there are a lot of times in the scriptures when Jesus is asked a question and we would love nothing more than for Jesus just to give a straightforward answer. Believe in me and you will be saved. Why does Jesus have to dance around the question so often? But understand Jesus is the ultimate teacher. And like good teachers, Jesus knows 
what his audience needs to hear. Jesus knows a person's heart, and Jesus knows sometimes people need to do a little more thinking. The Lord did not want this man to go away that day only with an answer to a question. He wanted him to go away with a changed heart. And and so much like a parent, or, or perhaps even like a preschool teacher, poking and prodding the student just a little bit to self-discovery and a greater, deeper understanding of the answer, so also with this man and with us today, there needs to be a little more thinking about this question. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. And actually, in Jewish tradition, this word for good was usually reserved for someone who was, in fact, very good, morally right and righteous. And sometimes they only use this word to describe God himself. And so Jesus is almost asking a question back for him to consider right away. Why are you calling me good? Is it because you think I'm a good person? Or do you think I'm good as in I'm God? The man needed to stop and ponder for a moment, why am I even asking Jesus this question? Am I expecting a good answer from Jesus or am I expecting that he is the answer? Next we can note how Jesus challenges the very logic of the question that he asked in the first place. Maybe maybe you caught the problem with his question. What must I do to inherit eternal life. I know you were listening with good Lutheran ears and you thought, no, that's wrong. You can't do anything. It's not by works. It's by grace. And of course, you would be right. But here we see Jesus again as the ultimate teacher. The man asked him a works question. And so he came back with a works answer. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother. Hey, pal, you want to do things to inherit eternal life? Well, then do things, obey the commandments. Here is the man's response. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. Fifth commandment, Jesus, come on, I've never murdered anyone. Sixth commandment, you shall not commit adultery. Well, I don't run down to those Roman pagan temple prostitutes. I've never robbed First National Bank of Judea. I'm not one of those scumbag tax collectors. I don't gossip on Facebook, Jesus. And the fourth commandment, honor your father and mother. I still like my parents. Jesus, I keep the commands. And by all accounts, you know, this was probably a pretty good dude. He was a local leader, a ruler of the synagogue, which means either he was a leader like an elder or perhaps a major donor or a sponsor from the synagogue. He likely never did anything that put his name into the headlines of the Jerusalem Journal Sentinel. He wasn't on the Romans' most wanted list. As we might say today, he was probably pretty good people. And yet, he still missed the point He was still missing something. And and in the Gospel of Mark, in this account of the story, Mark says that at, at this point Jesus looked at him and loved him. He was so close 
to the answer, and yet so far away. And that's why in love, Jesus says this, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. On the outside, this was a good and godly man. But Jesus knows the heart. Oh, you think you can earn heaven, do you? You think you obey all of God's commandments. Well, then how about you start with this? Stop loving money so much. The Bible says when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Please understand, this has nothing to do with giving money to the poor or giving offerings or donations, gifts to the church, as if you actually give away everything you have and then you're a shoo-in for heaven. No, not at all. The real issue is that this man thought he could earn eternal life in heaven by keeping God's commandments, and yet what he failed to understand is that he wasn't even keeping the first commandment. You shall have no other gods. The point is not really about money at all. This is all about the heart. It's about the idols that we cling to as we push God off to the side. It just so happens that for this man, his idol was, in fact, his money and wealth. Essentially, Jesus was telling him, if you want to be my disciple, then put me first in your heart. Then follow me. But sadly, the man went away sad himself because he couldn't do it. He loved his money too much. If you were in this man's sandals, how do you think your conversation with the Lord would have gone? Now, maybe you wouldn't have asked such a work-righteous question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? But if Jesus, the ultimate teacher, was poking and prodding a bit into your spiritual life, how, how fast do you think you might default to defensiveness too? Well, Jesus, I mean, I try pretty hard. I'm, I'm a pretty good Christian. I've been a Christian, I mean, most of my life. Lord, I go to church almost every Sunday, and when I don't, I log on online. I do my best to give my best offerings to you. I try to pray. I even pray in public at McDonald's. And Lord, I'm not as bad as that person over there. I mean, keep the commandments. Come on, I'm doing my best here. And what is it the Bible says? Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Jesus knows your heart. And Jesus knows my heart. And much like with this man, he knew exactly which button to press for that rich young ruler. He knew exactly the pressure point. For him, it was money and wealth. What would the button be to press for you? Maybe it's money, maybe possessions. But would it possibly be something else? Oh, you think you love me so much. You're such a good Christian that follows me. Well, then how about you quit getting so silly drunk on the weekends at parties? Hey, Christian college student who loves me so much, how about you quit making excuses and talking about how tired you are and I don't have a ride and find a way to worship me? 
Hey, Christian teenager who loves me and follows me and who also spends more than 30 hours a week in interactive screen time, how about you stop flipping through TikTok a bit and flip through my word every once in a while? Hey, Christian parents who love me so much and love your children, I'm glad you do, but stop obsessing about them as though they're the center of your universe. How about you spend as much time and effort and money training them up in my word as you do training them in AAU sports? Or might it be that Jesus would press that button that hurts so much for all of us about money and wealth? You love and follow me, dear Christian? And stop chasing after some fictionary American dream of riches and fortunes and a future and chasing after savings and salaries and stocks. Leave behind the things of the world. You see, the point that Jesus was making for this rich young ruler that he wanted him to see is the same point that he wants us to see. You may say you're my disciple, but you're really not unless I'm first in your heart. And it's at this point that all the self-righteous outer appearance just disappears like a mist into the sky. And quickly, like the rich young ruler, we too become very sad when we realize we also love the things and the people and the possessions and money of this world so much. That's why Jesus said it this way in very famous words, how hard it is, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And understand, being rich in this world doesn't necessarily have to do with cash in your pocket or the bank. How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel, a camel, to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich in this world, rich in things, to enter the kingdom of God. Like those listening to Jesus that day, it's at this point that we might want to just shout out, well, who then can be saved? Lord, you're asking too much here. Who can love you that much? Who can be that perfect? Who can meet that standard? Jesus, this is impossible. And that, my dear friends, is exactly where Jesus wanted that rich young ruler and where he wants you to be. We need to understand if we're going to ask a works question, what must I do, we're never going to have a good enough answer. We need to understand from the Lord Jesus how desperate we are. We need to know our sin. We need to know how far we have fallen short and how much help we need. We need to know how desperate we are and how deserving of damnation we are because it's only then, it's only then that we are ready to hear what Jesus says next. What is impossible with man is possible with God. That rich young ruler came to Jesus that day with an impossible question. What must I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? Sadly, because of his own sinful heart, it was blocking his vision from seeing that what was impossible for him was possible for the one he was talking to. 
Jesus is, in fact, the only one ever worthy of that title, good. Because Jesus is the only one who has kept all these commandments of God, not just on outer appearance, but also in heart and mind and attitude. Jesus is the only one who has ever been perfectly devoted to his Father's will, the only one who has perfectly set aside the things of the world to be about heavenly things. It is impossible for us, but it is possible for Jesus, our Savior God. And he did it for you. But the depths of Jesus' love did not end with the life that he came to live in your place. Jesus also came to alleviate and remove that burden of guilt and sin that weighs down on us. And so for all of your selfishness and pride and greed, for all of our idols in this world that that we cling to and worship, for every sin that stains us, Jesus' blood stained a cross to pay for it. I could never do enough. I could never pay enough. I could never suffer enough. I could never even die enough to cancel my debt. It's impossible for us. But it is possible for Jesus, our Savior God, and he did it for you. And while we have this life and death of Jesus in our place and for us, we know that we still live in this world with sin. And we know from the scriptures the wages of sin is death. And as we are too keenly aware this last week, the sting of death still haunts this sinful world filled with sinful people. There is no amount of safety or precaution I could take. No amount of pills or medicine. No diet or exercise regimen. No groundbreaking scientific experiment or discovery that could ever defeat death. It's impossible for us. But it is possible for Jesus, our Savior God. And he did that for you. It's his life, his death, his resurrection that give you everything. Forgiveness, adoption into God's family, a new life with the Lord, and the very thing this rich young ruler was looking for, eternal life. The impossible is made possible for you in Christ alone. The disciples were still trying to grasp this as Usual, They were just a little bit off and trying to wrap their minds around it. At this point, Peter blurted out, Lord, we have left all we had to follow you. Lord, we're trying to put you first. We've left family and friends for you. Is that enough? This is hard. Listen to the comforting words of Jesus for Peter and the disciples and for us today. Here's what the Lord says. Truly, I tell you, No one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. Do you ever wonder if it's worth it? All the time you put in for worship, 
all the wrestling with your calendar to find time for prayer and personal devotion time, all the effort to set aside things of the world, the fighting with your sinful nature to put Jesus first, is it really worth it? Well, listen to the words of your Savior Jesus. If you think you might enjoy the things of this life and these worldly treasures, well then just wait. Just wait and be patient like a little kid trying to wait to open up Christmas presents. Just wait for the treasures he has in store for you in the mansions of heaven. You know, I guess we'll, I guess we'll never know if it was curiosity or a guilty conscience or a self-righteous attitude that brought this rich young ruler to Jesus that day. We, we don't know that, but we do know that he approached Jesus backwards. Look at me. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Today, Jesus flips it on that man and he flips it in the right direction for you and for me. No, no, dear sinner, look at me. It's not what you have done. It's what has been done for you. And that, my brothers and sisters, is why we are here today. We don't come to worship only to praise our God. Oh, we certainly do that. But rather we come to worship with open hands to receive from our God his gifts of grace. And so in a few minutes we don't go to his table simply to obey a command, do this in remembrance of me, but rather we come quite literally with open hands to receive from our God body and blood for you for the forgiveness of sins. And we don't leave worship going out with a commitment to the Lord. We certainly do. But rather, with bowed heads, we received from our God his blessing and his commissioning to go and make disciples and let our lights shine. In worship, so in life and in death, it's never about me. It's about what has been done for me. Because the impossible is made possible in Christ alone. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you.